Thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, I look forward to sharing with you. We're going to pray before we start. We'll be looking at um, Psalm 55. And the title of this message is When War Gets Personal. A lot of times we look at wars, like if we look at the war in Ukraine, it's over in Ukraine. You know, we may know some people and be aware of people that are over there, but it's not quite as personal. It doesn't hit home. And this is a psalm where it tends to get, with David, war was very personal a lot of the time, but this got more personal. And we want to look at that and see how it applies to us, um, how it can affect our lives. So I want us to pray and ask the Lord to help us, even as, as the scriptures read. I love the, what Jeff did last week. Just had a silent prayer for yourselves, prayer for me or him back then. But I, I'd appreciate it if you would pray just during the, the message uh, that we would get the most out of this that we can. So let's pray and we'll go from there. So Father, thank you. We thank you for your holy word for the truths that are taught, the, the practical aspects of things, the, the directional pointing to you, the reality of the gospel. So Lord, as we look into your word this morning, open it up to us. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, that we would get what you have for us this morning. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read Psalm 55. And it's, um, I think you'll find it interesting. Again, this is a, a psalm that we have never preached before, on before. And uh, it is something that we really desire to get those new things that we haven't seen. And, you know, I think we've all read the psalm before, but I don't think, uh, but we've never spoken on it. So, let's begin, starting at verse 1. It says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on, on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst, midst. oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, 
my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul and safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from old, Selah, because they do not know change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech is, it was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Now, this is a psalm of David, sung by a choir. They use stringed instruments to sing it. Everyone would have heard it and listening. Maybe even people he was referring to. Who knows? It is you. Maybe he was pointing at someone. Most of the Psalms in the 50s, not the era of the 50s, the 50s in the Psalms, um, a lot of them, and there are many others throughout it, but a lot of them are about wickedness, enemies, things along that line. And when we read those, it's hard for us to relate. It's hard for us to understand what's going on. When David wrote these Psalms, there was a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of life and a whole lot of expression that was going on as he would begin to write these things. It's not just, he, David wasn't just a guy who sat down and said, hmm, what kind of song should I write about? Let's see, how about enemies? Enemies is a good idea. Let me, let me write that down. And he'll start to write down a song about his enemies. Now, he experienced these things. These were tough. These were hard things that he had to live with. He felt it. He expressed it. So my main point this morning in the message is whether the enemy is a spiritual power or flesh and blood, the remedy of our battle is in the Lord. Whether the enemy is a spiritual power or flesh and blood, the remedy of our battle is in the Lord. So I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as we can. There was a lot here. It's a big psalm, and there is a lot in this psalm, and I felt like there were a lot of directions I could go in and even did go in that I want to share with you, and hopefully it serves you. But the first point is the enemy barks worse than its bite, but God never changes. The, enemy bar the enemy's bark is worse than its bite, but God never changes. You know, you walk down the neighborhood and people who have dogs, how many dog people do we have here? We have a number of dog people. And I know your dogs, some of you are so, especially Bauer and Linda's dogs, such a ferocious animal. And, uh, <laughs> 
And you walk down, and as I was a, when I was a kid, you know, you'd walk down the street, and there would be, you know, a giant dog, and he would be on a leash, but he'd be in the yard, and he would be barking and growling and barking and growling, and the owner would be sitting on the porch saying, "He won't hurt you. His bark is worse than his bite." That's what he'd say. But you know, if you got within the leash area, he'd eat you for lunch. So it was just not that sense of safety that you had there. But when you're listening and hearing him and you're hearing that barking and you're seeing those teeth, it's, it's a scary thing. We hear the bark and we get alarmed. You know, there are a lot of opportunities to have enemies. And this psalm does really show a lot of barking. There's a lot of barking in this psalm. And the impact that it has is, is quite vivid, the way David talks about it, the noise that the enemy makes. David, uh, it, you know, it's hard when you're, when you're dealing with this, when you have something that's lunging at you that's a fearful thing, it's hard. And uh, depending on what it is, it can be actually very disturbing. It can have an effect on us emotionally as well as spiritually. And David was in that position. Verses 1 and 2, let me read them again. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. He wants mercy here. Verse 2, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. And the New American Standard says, I'm restless in my complaint and I am surely distracted. David is in a difficult situation. He doesn't know what to do, so he prays. Ah, key right there. If you don't know what to do, you should pray. He prays. And you know what? He complains. That's okay. Why does he do that? Verse 3, because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble. You know, the, the term drop trouble, trouble means it means it's like they're shaking something so it'll fall on you it's you're loosening it so much they're causing so much trouble that it'll cause harm to you that's what the term means they'll drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me so this noise is oppression of the wicked they drop trouble there's anger and they bear a grudge just a fun bunch of people. Verse 4, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling, verse 5, come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Sounds like you're, you went to the movie to see one of the worst horror movies of your life, and you're scared to death, and this is what was going on. There was restlessness, distracting noise, Heart in anguish. The heart being in anguish here, anguish means twisted in fear. I mean, he was so uncomfortable that he was like twisting. The terrors of death mean dread. It's more than saying, boy, I dread going to work this morning. This is more than that. I dread going to school. I don't want to get up. This is a dread or a terror of death. Now, when you think about it, David, who was a warrior, he killed the lion and the bear. Saul slayed his thousands. David slayed his ten thousands. You're talking about David here. What was going on in his mind? A fear that was so much that he was trembling. The adrenaline in his system was just forcing him, and he was trembling. 
with fear, possibly trembling with anger. And he just wants to escape. He wants to fly away. Have you ever been tempted to move away? Don't raise your hand on this, but have you ever been tempted to just move away because things were tough? Because of people in your life to just give up, to actually sell your house. You can go to Trish for that. Sell your house, then go buy a new house. You can go for Trish for that too. Buy a new house, a new town, a new job, just because you are afraid. Have you ever thought of doing that? The tiredness, the weariness start to take its toll on you. That's why we have to dig deeper into this, to gain some understanding. But this is the way David felt. And David writes in verses 6 through 8, And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. Makes him think about it. I would hurry. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. You know, folk singers from the 60s, they would stop the song here. They would say, yes, I'm going to go fly away. I'm going to be at peace. Everything's going to be beautiful. Everything is beautiful in its own way. David doesn't stop the song here, though. This is the interesting thing about this. He's saying, oh, I wish I could just leave. I wish I could just move away. And then all of a sudden, he just, you know, he doesn't throw his pen down and say, that's it, I'm done. He kicks back into verse 9, almost like he gets a second win. And he says, wait a minute, verse 9, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Now, this is the important thing about this. He wants God to do it. He can't do anything about it. He goes to God and he says, God, you do this. Now, you know, we, we, we think of many things when we're praying and if we're really upset about something and we ask God to do all kinds of things, that doesn't mean God's going to actually do it the way we want it done, but it doesn't mean that God isn't going to do something to help you out. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He fixes our prayers <laughs> and he kind of brings them before the Lord so that God says, I see his heart. I see what he's getting. I see what he really wants. And then he can answer our prayers. He wants God to do what he can't do. See, we've got to learn to move forward with God, not without him. If you're going to move forward with anything, move forward with God. Don't move without him. Whatever you're going through now or in the future, don't run. Turn to God. The enemy's bark is worse than his bite because God never changes. Let's go to verse, uh, point two here. Our enemy comes in different shapes and sizes, but God never changes. Our enemy comes in different shapes and sizes again, but God never changes. As we know, David had the many battles and the wars and the struggles. And today we struggle with many situations and we struggle with circumstances, but let's bring some form to some of these enemies that we have to look at. And uh, for the lack of a better thing, we'll talk about first level of enemy. And as we look at that, to me, 
when everybody says you talk about your enemy, we immediately go to Satan. Satan's our enemy, and that is true. Satan is our enemy. He's probably the, the first layer of our enemy if we look at that. Um, as we look at, uh, as he is the one that's ultimately battling against what God's trying to do. He's purposefully battling against the purposes of God and his people. Satan is one who is not on your side, okay? He uses our weaknesses to battle against our faith in God. He has more effect than we think, and I think nowadays, um, we don't realize the effect that Satan can have in this day and age, but he also has more limitations than we believe, okay? He is limited in ways. God limits Satan, but he does have an effect, and we want to realize that. If we're building a biblical foundation in God, our main enemy wants to hinder that. So he wants to hinder what you're building in the Lord, your Christian life. He wants to hinder that recognize that and all other enemies start to lose their punch okay if you recognize that satan is trying to cause a problem in your life if you realize that and go to god that takes the punch out of a lot of other enemies so that's important for us to know god is more powerful than satan and that's enough about satan okay that's enough. He is more powerful. We could do a whole workshop on that, and we could do that on another time, but, but that's enough for today on that. The next level of our battle is sin. It's very simple. It's sin. Back in 1998, there was a book that came out, and maybe most of you have heard of it, if not read it, by Chris Lungard, um, the book called The Enemy Within. And, um, and it, was, it was a good, it brought perspective about who or what our everyday enemy really is, and, and that is really sin is a, a very daily struggle in our lives, our sin. And it was straight talk about the power and the defeat of sin, sheds new light into the realization of sin and the need for the triune God in our lives to combat and defeat sin. Now, people don't like talking about sin, Sometimes we'd rather talk about other people's sin, but we don't like to deal with our own sin. I, I really thought it was great when Jeff, Jeff was here. He was talking about last week, he was talking about how to, the, the importance of confession of sin to one another. We confess to God. For some reason, we think that's easier. But we need to confess our sins to one another to help us combat that sin. And we need to hum be humble enough but the people need to be loving enough that we confess it to so that we're not judging them as well. And that's an important aspect. If we, don't, if we say we have no sin in 1 John 1.8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're sinners, let's just admit it. We're forgiven by the grace of God, but we're sinners. Sin is a lifelong battle, but for the Christian, it's one that has been already won in Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 23 and 24, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, okay? So if our fight is against Satan and our fight is against sin, let's get a little more specific, okay? Let's break down these little battles that David faced and, and that we face. So let's look at how we 
let's look at how we see some of these categories. And these are just things as I was praying that came to mind. I don't want to make any enemies today. Okay, so I just want to share these things with you. You can take them for what it's worth. But um, sometimes we look at our circumstances as an enemy. We look at our life and we say, things aren't working the way they're supposed to be. We, we have our schedule all planned out for the day. And we're supposed to be a, at a certain place at a certain time. And all of a sudden, there's a traffic jam, a two-hour traffic jam. And we can't make that. And we start to get discouraged. Or somebody comes around and, and changes your work schedule. All of a sudden like that. And it changes everything you had to do. But it's, it's a circumstantial thing. What do we do? Sometimes we start to say, I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. Things are tough around here. I can't handle this. My day is ruined because everything is gone the way it's gone. Even if you are a Christian, how do you handle it? Even if you are being persecuted for being a Christian, how do you handle it? With impatience? Now, that would be sin. You see, we, we can't do that one. With revenge? No, no, that, that doesn't work either. That, that would be sin as well. See, the battle is against sin and how we deal with it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, well, if, if, say, Bauer and Dan call me and say, hey, Dave, can you print up this stuff? Can you print up that stuff? And I could start to say, well, I'm, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> it's, I'm watching TV or I'm over at the parsonage. I would have to walk over here. That's, that's such a distance. It really is. It's such a distance. We can't allow these things. We can't allow laziness. We can't allow uh, really an unloving heart to get in the way of glorifying God through our lives. We need to walk through these things to the glory of God. Let's bring up another one. Authorities. This one, you're going to love this one. This one brings more anguish and fear than anything else, I think. Authorities. Now, this, I'm sorry to say, in many ways. You know, when, I, when Roxanne first met me, I was a political junkie. Okay? I, you know, in junior high, I used to canvas houses for politicians. I was in junior high. I used to go to different houses. This was in Framingham. You know, the, there wasn't a mayor in Framingham at that time. But for the senators and the governor, I would go to different houses and I would, I didn't even know what party it was. I would just go and you gotta vote? You gotta vote for this person? And for some reason back then, you know, junior high kids could do that stuff without, you know, being in danger or anything like that. But this year, you know, Roxanne wondered, what type of man have I married? We used to, <laughs> as soon as the election happened, as on TV, the, the coverage, everybody had to be quiet. I'm going to watch it. And we were watching hours and hours. And the kids are sitting there going, what? what are we doing? You know, it's funny because Megan, when she was little, Frank Reynolds was the, was the, uh, broadcaster for ABC way back then. That was one of the first names that Megan could say because I'd sit her in front of the TV, we'd be watching the news, she'd go, Frank, Frank. And I'd go, that's right, that's Frank. He's going to tell you how it is. Poor Megan. God bless you, Megan. 
Election years, authorities, they cause more stress for people. Election is, is such, it's interesting, Kaiser Permanente, the big medical organization, hospitals, things like that, they did a, they did a uh, survey. They took Northern California and Southern California, included six million people in this study, and they found out that the rate of hospitalization increased 62% after the election for the two days after the election compared to two weeks before the election. People were so worked up that they were having heart attacks, they were having strokes, they were having all kinds, they break down what one's percentages of what, who had what, and I'm going, what in the world? It's an election for crying out loud. And people are going to the hospital over an election. We have to realize, and we have, sure, I, I love politics. I enjoy watching this stuff. But one of the things we have to realize is, and, and a lot of times we forget because we're a democratic country and we love to vote, we love to do all of that stuff. We have to remember it is God who puts people in leadership. That's a biblical truth. It is also God that takes people out of leadership. That's a biblical truth. We have to keep that in mind when we're doing this or you're gonna have a stroke. That's what's gonna happen. And we have to keep that in mind. So don't yell at the TV on election night like I used to do. Foul! I, I would watch that thing like it was a World Series Red Sox game. Hey, you can't call that right now. Crying out loud. I'm a goof. You know what the Bible does say to do about our leaders? Pray for them. It says over and over, pray for the leaders. Pray that you'll live in peace. It's the other aspect of it. was the, can't read my notes, I'm sorry. Ah, the next one, let's go to the next one. <laughs> coworkers, how do you do with your coworker? I've had many interesting coworkers over the years, and some of them have, have had very radical views about things, and they find out you're a Christian, and all of a sudden they hate your guts. I don't know what that means, to hate your guts, but they don't like you very much, okay? What do you do when a coworker dislikes you that much. Fly away, you quit your job. Sell your house, move to Montana. What do you do with this? Or do you pray for opportunities and grace to love your enemy? That's what scripture tells us to do. Pray for your enemy. Opportunities are practical ways. The grace is for the spiritual means to show God's love to our enemies. That's what we need to be doing in all of that. Um, the, next, the next one is hesitant on this one. The next one is spouses. You know, there are spouses. When is your spouse your enemy? Should, shouldn't be at any time. <laughs> there, are so many, there are so many books and podcasts by Christians and non-Christians entitled, Your Spouse is Not Your Enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Now, 
let's let's keep in in this this whole realization that your spouse is also a sinner and the enemy satan wants to push buttons and cause problems and things along that line but if we're aware of that if we're aware of that then we can work spiritually through the different issues now i'm not saying that if there's demonic issues or if there's violence issues that you you know you don't do that but for the most part your spouse is not your enemy and enough said about that i think that's that says it right there uh the next one is pain pain when do you think your when you think your body has betrayed you you think your body is your enemy because it's affecting your life maybe you have a a health issue maybe you have medical tests all the time maybe you have surgeries coming up whatever it is when we look at the pain how do we see it do we see it as our enemy or do we see it as something that god has the grace for us to be sufficient that's what it is we don't want to become bitter because we're going through difficult times that's just that's just part of life and let's realize that there are going to be difficult times but in the grace of god we can do this we can go to god yes it's a battle but we can go to god his grace is sufficient for those trials now david's issue in particular this took him by surprise and it was a deep hurt it was unexpected verses 13 and 14 but it is you a man my equal my companion my familiar friend we used to take sweet counsel together within god's house we walked in the throng the friend here means the word word friend here means a tame a tame relationship it's a close friend that's that's what i mean it's a bestie Okay, that's probably the best way to put it. It's that it, they were very close friends. Familiar friend defined here means to know a person by experience. You lived life with this person. You walked through a lot of difficulties with this person. Someone you put your trust in. Now, here is what happened, though. It was like to David, he was sucker punched. A sucker punch is when you don't see it coming and somebody punches you in the gut. And that's what happened to David. What do you do then? What do you do? Verses 20 and 21. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter. Yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. The war has become personal. The war has become personal question for you who is your companion we first think of people when we ask that question who's my companion roxanne's my companion we've been hanging around almost 50 years she's my companion we think of people we think of friend a spouse christian friends in particular or family and people are important brothers and sisters in christ are very important and they can help in the struggle against sin and they also struggle against sin as well but who is the sure companion? Is God your companion? And you want to make sure of that. Is God your companion? The one who is constant, the one who's reliable and faithful, a friend, your Lord, your Savior. Our, many, our enemies come in many different shapes and sizes, but God, he never changes. Make God your close friend and companion. 
So let's go to the third point here, and I'll try to wrap this up. Third point is the Lord far outshines any enemy we may face because God never changes. The Lord far outshines any enemy we may face because God never changes. The Westminster Catechism in the answer of who is God, it says God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, and his truth. And David knew this, he knew God. He continually went to God. He communicated his struggles. He fought with his thoughts. He shared them with the Lord. This is an emotional psalm to the very end of it. The question I have for you is how, how gut level do you get with God? How honest do you get with him? How, how often do you share your heart with him? Your battles with sin with him? Your discouragements with him? And in your own minds, injustices, because sometimes they're not, but even the injustices we think we're walking through. How often do you take these to the Lord? Because if you do that, if you cry out to God, as David did, I mean, he's saying stuff in this psalm that you're saying, oh my goodness, look at this is, this is just an emotional, um, he's like, just releasing every emotion that he has in his being because he doesn't know what to do. But he gives it to God. And what happens when you do that is eventually a solution comes. That's why prayer is so important. And this is what David did. And the solution in the psalm is what we're going to look at for the next couple of minutes. The solution is in verse 16. This is the beginning of it. The solution is, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. This is one of the hardest things for people to do for some reason, calling out to God. First, we say, well, let me try and fix this. I can, I can fix this. I can figure this out. I'm clever enough to do this. I can handle that. Or God is kind of at a lower priority of who we get to. We, we try to get all the other possibilities, and then, oh, now I, I see, yeah, I've got to go to God. A lot of that's pride that gets in our way. A lot of times we get discouraged and we just give up and we just get overwhelmed by this battle that's going on inside us because we lack faith. We're not trusting in God. If you have enemy issues, if it's Satan, sin, or people, call upon the name of the Lord. Go to him. Get him involved in your situation. The second thing David said, the second solution is casting, casting your burden on the Lord, verse 22, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast here, I love this. Cast here defined is to throw away or hurl or fling. Think of the nastiest bug that lands on your hand and you look at it and you go like this. That's what he's talking about. You're flinging it away. You're flinging it away. God has the ability, and he has given us the ability, the opportunity, and the means to cast our burdens on him. That's a gift. We're supposed to cast our cares, cast our burdens on the Lord. That is a gift from God. It's an opportunity 
from God. It's a means that he has given us that we can be able to release burdens, release cares, release all these problems and battles to the Lord. Have you ever been given a gift and you never used it? And maybe it was a really handy one, something that was really good. And we just set it aside. It was a gift. Oh, that was nice. We'll give it to them. And for years, we did something the hard way. And then all of a sudden, we realized, no, I have this gift. And this will make it so much easier. And we take it out and we say, wow, why didn't I do this years ago? That's what casting is. You can do it now instead of waiting years and years and years, burdened and buried by so many things. You're going to feel lighter. You're going to feel fresher because God is involved. It doesn't necessarily take the problem away but it gives you the ability to walk through it because the burden isn't there. Now, finally, the last words of this psalm, David says, trust. I will trust in you. The last five words of this psalm, I will trust in you. The word trust here defined means to trust or to have confidence, to be confident. To all of a sudden be assured because you've cast your care upon the Lord. You've put the situation in God's hands and you can trust in him now and move forward to be bold. It is because God has your back, so to speak, to be secure, to feel secure because God has laid a foundation of a rock of assurance for you. David's need for trust was an ongoing need, and it is for us as well. We need to trust. David wrote in Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6, uh, 5 through 8, rather, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, all people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You know, the battle continues till Jesus comes. Just remember that the ability to live our life to the fullest, no matter what happens, is in Christ alone. So don't be afraid of the barking dog. Cast your burden upon Jesus. Trust in him. He went to the cross. He died and he rose again for you and for me. And remember this, whether the enemy is a spiritual power or flesh and blood, the remedy of our battle is in the Lord. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for just preserving your word over centuries and centuries that we would be able to read this psalm, that we would be able to learn from David's life, that we would be able to open up our own hearts to you and share with you the burdens and the cares of this life, that we can go to you if we feel that we are in a battle, if the dogs are barking and everything is loud, we can cast those cares, those burdens upon you, and we can trust. So, Lord, we call upon you. 
Help us, Lord, as we walk through life. Whatever the need may be, there, each person here has different needs and struggles. Lord, I pray that you would meet them and help them. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.